Brady, and I am here with my co-host Matt Scott. I'm Matt, here. I'm so glad that we are back together. Summer of travel. That's right. We were both. Tra- yeah, I was literally homeless for months, and I lived out of the Scout and the GMC for the summer, two and a half months at least. That's awesome. But there was a lot of learnings that came from that. Um, I realize that I am not at the point in my life where I want that to be what I do. Yeah. And so I enjoyed it. There was no, there wasn't like a negative experience of it. I realized that it was not, I mean, in life, we have to do the things that are the hell yes. Yeah. They feel where you feel so excited and compelled to do it because our time is so limited that we have. So I realized that by halfway through it, that it was no longer a hell yes. It was just, I was having an experience. It was better than most experiences, but it wasn't the hell yes. And I felt like that I wasn't doing what I really wanted to be doing. So I realized that I like being in Prescott. I love Prescott. I love this. I love it uh, more than I hate it. Right. I love this little town. I like being with the team. I like doing creative things, but then I still want to go out and do big trips. I want to do big, ambitious, hairy, wild, crazy, hell yes Hmm. kind of trips. And, you know, maybe when I'm 70, I'll want to get back into a truck camper and be homeless yeah. again. But for right now, it'll probably be a sailboat by that point in time. But, <laughs> but I did realize that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. There's a lot of inefficiency that I didn't expect because I didn't, I had never done that before. I'd never, I'd done lots of traveling out of cars, but never like I'm going to make a little home and I'm going to work from the road. It's also a little different when you're doing it domestically, you yeah. know, in the U S Mar travels over the summer. I, I just found it a little harder to keep going. You know, yeah. you're not, you're putting in these big drive days. Yeah. And I, I guess I learned that I like to travel for culture. I like, I like museums. I like food. I like people. I like, yep. you know, as much as I, and I also like really remote spots. But as we're going to kind of get into with with my summer trip up to Tuk Tuk Tuk, even though it was remote, there was yeah, it missed those pieces that you really really wanted, and I think it was the same for me. So I didn't I didn't have the personal connections. I wasn't traveling with someone. I was away from the team that I really enjoy being. I was away from you, Matt. I know it was so long. I, well, I so like I didn't have my buddies, and I didn't have my team with me, and I didn't have a travel partner with me, and and I realized that all of those things are a really important yeah. piece to to travel for me. So that was a good lesson. The scout was awesome. The truck did awesome, but it, it seems like kind of the perfect size. Like you know, I wheeled it. Like I took it over Hell's Revenge. Yeah, Not, I, saw I didn't do Hell's Gate, but I did everything but. Yeah. And it was like it did it. Like it's it's, it's a great truck. <laughs> yeah, it's a good truck. It's a good size. I think. Yeah, you know, you, you don't have to like. You don't have to make your bed every night. You know, it's yep. there, but it's still relatively lightweight. Yep. And, you know, you can park in a regular parking spot. Yep. That kind of gets old with the earth roamers having to plan your moves every time. Yeah, that's true. But with this one, it's just the brush script. You just, if you buy a, a hard-sided camper, you like have to make it part of the decision that I am going to scratch. If you take it off-road, which I do. I mean, I went off-road. I went off-road almost every day. Yeah. You are going to scratch the ever living hell out of that thing. Mm-hmm. And I did like it. Yeah. Is, 
it is bad. Like it, it will take a long time to buff out if it can't even be buffed out. We, we recently found a, a stick from the Arctic <laughs> and, and, and it's now in my garage. It was, it was wedged in the, in the awning. You know. <laughs> totally. So you did, and that's what this podcast is going to be about. This podcast is going to be about traveling to Tuk Tuk Tuk, and it's going to include some conversations around traveling up to Prudhoe Bay as well some travel in Alaska yeah. and in Canada, but you did a trip you've been planning for years for to a do. while, yeah. a while. Yeah. We, uh, we took the earth roamer from Prescott. Our first stop was, uh, the Northwest Overland rally, um, which was a super fun event. You know, that event in particular, which I normally don't like going to events. This one had a good community feel to it. Yeah, it wasn't overly that. commercial. You know, I think yeah. You know, a lot of overland events have just turned into glorified flea markets that you can camp at yeah. where this like you walked away from it with friends yeah. and that was cool. And then from there, we went up to Whistler. Actually, we stopped in Vancouver for a night and, and a hotel downtown Vancouver parked the Earth Roamer underground for oh. Laura's birthday. You know, it was did kinda, you call ahead to make sure it would fit, or how did you? Uh, how did you? you know, they just said that they would accommodate it. Yes, sir, we'll accommodate it. It was like the Fairmont Pacific Rim or something, yeah. right downtown Vancouver, right on the water, and it was fantastic. Um, we travel with our dogs, so you know, we generally try and find a little bit nicer hotels. It allows us to do nicer room service or something like that. I know that that sounds bougie, but Canada is the least dog friendly place on the planet. Oh no. Which really surprised me. Almost maybe awkwardly so. It was a little bit frustrating. Like you couldn't even have they had to have special licensing to allow pets on their patios. Oh wow. Which was really weird. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, then went up to Whistler and then kind of really started the trip from Whistler. You know, had a little bit of a reset there, did some mountain biking. And then, you know, got on the road and how was the mountain biking? Well, Laura mountain biked. I watched the dog. (laughs) I just, I, you know, I ordered a room service and had a beer in the room and (laughs) relaxed. (laughs) You know, it wasn't, but you've been doing a lot more mountain biking recently. I've been mountain biking a lot more. You're selling yourself too short. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been mountain biking more. I just built a new bike, but you know, it was Laura's birthday. Sure. You know, the trip, this wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't her trip as if she wasn't entitled to do things, but it was definitely the trip that I really wanted to do. Sure. So, you know, I felt, you know, part of that deal was, okay, let's make sure she has a nice birthday and she's able to kind of, you know, relax and and do her thing before she sits in a car for the next, I think we were start to finish like 45 days, which when I say it's not that we wish we had longer to do it, we had given ourselves two months yeah, it, you actually cut it a little short. But we actually cut it short. It was it was interesting. You know, when we got to Tuck, it was it was 90 degrees at midnight with full sun. And the bugs. Locals were saying it was one of the, the worst bug seasons that they've had. Um, a lot of rain. And then it got really warm and everything started hatching. Well, and at night, if 90 degrees, the permafrost is going to be melting. So yeah. that's not good. Yeah, it it was that's unbelievable. It was a it was an eye-opening trip in a lot of ways, you know, like I didn't I didn't feel when 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 you're in an environment, an arctic environment and it's that hot and everyone around you is suffering cuz there's no AC sure. and it's 24-hour daylight above 66 degrees north for like 57 days or something, sure. you know, nearly 2 months the sun doesn't set. So it just bakes, 
you know, it just bakes and bakes and bakes and bakes. Everything heat soaks because nothing has a, a purity cool off, but it didn't feel great being up there in an F550. Right. You know, it's probably not the most environmentally tr- friendly truck. Yeah, you, know? you don't you don't use it every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, only- you know, just the the irony, I guess, of you know, yeah. hey, this isn't how it necessarily used to be up here. Right. It's rapidly changing, and then you're driving something that are nearly every scientist labels as one of the major causes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know where we start. And it's interesting because for me, the first time that I went to Tuck was in 2007. Yeah, I remember that. So that's 15 years ago, and there was no year-round road and there was no condos that you could rent there was no no there's there no condos no, to rent or anything well, still but they're like an airbnb there uh, are airbnbs to rent and they yeah. are like little condos so when i was there in 2018 we rented one for the night like that like they hadn't they started to get that infrastructure yeah and little restaurants and things like that which was kind of surprising yeah P- little places to eat and little places to stay but in 2007 our experience was an incredibly inviting community. They were so surprised that we were there. We, we arrived via the, the ice road. Yeah, McKenzie or McKen- something, right? McKenzie yeah. ice road. And the next thing we know, the mayor wants to meet us. The next thing you know, he's introducing us to the local polar bear hunter. Yeah. He's telling us all the stories of polar bear hunting. And then they invited us down in the ice caves where they store all their food year round. And now no one can go in there anymore. Well, I wonder, so yeah, interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting because the way I would maybe describe it, you know, it felt like the, the travelers going up there were almost a bit of an annoyance. There's I so many people that, going I, up I there. I see why that would be. The you case. know, I mean, I mean, full stop. This is not a trip that you need an earth roamer for. You know, one of the guys that we were, there's only so many places that you can camp. Yeah, right. You know, this guy was in a Toyota Corolla hatchback sleeping on the ground on, you know, on street tires. There's people that drive that road every day now. You know, my takeaway is if this is a trip that you want to do, go do it. Yeah, um, just go now. We camped with a guy in a totally stock Subaru Crosstrek. You know, really cool dude. He was golfing his entire way up. <laughs> and there's apparently a, a golf course in Inuvik that he wanted to go to. You know, <laughs> so it. so you can have a Subaru with golf bags and a tent in the back and, and go. It probably would be a good idea, though, to still have a good set of tires because there is a lot of stone. The the road's really shaly. Yeah, exactly. Um, You can counteract that by just going slower. Yeah. I mean, we shredded a set of MPTs because we were we just wanted to get it over with. There was between the, the heat and the sheer amount of bugs. I mean, I've I've camped in some really buggy spots. Well, you lived in Australia, which is like. So it was worse flies than Australia. That's, I can't even imagine that. And then the worst mosquitoes that I've ever seen. And then, you know, a million of everything else, you know, they have this condensed life cycle that they have to, yeah. they have to be born, reproduce, die, give birth, whatever their, their, their natural cycle is, you know, so there wasn't much to do. Yeah. We were there during a heat wave. It was brutally hot and, and these bugs. And I know that there's going to be, you know, somebody out there like, oh, well, yeah, I, you're, you're just, your parents are, you know, you don't know bugs. I'm like, I had multiple mosquito bites on my, yeah. from just going to the bathroom outside. Like, I, I don't know how you can avoid that. Like, I'm not spraying bug spray down there. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but we had like every like anti-bug thing, you know, known to man. And, you know, we also, it's also not just about me. 
it's about, you know, my wife, Laura, and she's the, she's the person that if there's a bug in the zip code, it's going to find her. Yeah. And then we have this, you know, lovely, our lovely Greyhound Dak that we travel with and Greyhounds have bald butts and yep. bald stomachs. So he'd go outside, you know, he goes into the grass and he's just covered and this little guy's like suffering. So yeah. we ended up just deciding to spend the days driving because there was nowhere exciting to camp. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this was a, a byproduct of people not being up there for a couple of years with COVID and kind of the restrictions. But my general takeaway was, how do you say it? Due to the permafrost and how quickly things grow in the summer there, like if there were campsites off the off the dumpster, they just weren't there anymore. Like mm. nature just took everything back. Mm. Um, you know, and the majority of that road is built up yeah. on top of the permafrost. So that's your road. It's not like you're going to duck off into the forest service road, you know, and go find a cool campsite. It's yeah. There's it. stuff around There's little gravel pits. There's stuff around like Fort McPherson and yeah. that kind of stuff. There's, but, there's like the provincial campgrounds yeah. and that kind of stuff. It kind of ruined the experience in a way because that was the only place you could really camp. Where would you stop? Maybe Eagle Plains? Is it, did you stop? Eagle Pl- we stopped in Eagle Plains. So we that did a trip. Eagle Plains was something out of a Wes Anderson film. Totally. Like it hasn't changed since the seventies. Yep. The bar in there was probably my highlight of the whole it Dempster. Was, it was great. Cause it was the only place that you could interact with travelers. Right. You know, you'd say some pleasantries at the sign at the Arctic ocean, but that was really like a, a place that people kind of camped and there was an opportunity to come together and to, to talk to people. Right. And the bugs probably aren't quite as bad there. We ended up, you know, one of the reasons why we ended up seeking a lot of out wind, a lot of wind there. Yeah. Nice. We ended up seeking out a lot of, you know, RV parks because we did 45 days and we probably only had about 10 days where we weren't moving total for the trip. Um, and it was eight to 12 hour days, nearly every day. Now the earth roamer can't move as fast as some vehicles, but the roads were in pretty rough condition this year. So you really couldn't, you had to drive conservatively because Sometimes you can't see the frost heaves. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, we ended up staying in a lot of RV parks because that one, that was the only option. Um, since the road has really turned into an all-season road, the Dempster Highway has a dozen Class A motorhomes going up it every day. Fifth wheels, travel trailers. There's, you know, such, auto, such auto white horse you have. There's probably, you know, dozens of these Ford F-350s with enclosed campers that people rent in Whitehorse or, or wherever to go to go do their trip. And it almost felt silly because there wasn't. Yeah, it was just it was just interesting. It felt yeah. a little silly being in an earth roamer up there, to yeah. be honest. But, you know, for so long, I've been sold this trip of that. It's so challenging and so technical and this. And uh, it was pretty boring. Yeah. If I'm being really blunt. It's funny, like talking to more experienced travelers, they're like, oh yeah, we all think that, but we don't say it. We don't want to ruin the joy, but I think the joy is gone for me. Well, and I think it's important for people to, to come into that eyes wide open because for me, the last time that I went up there was 2018 and, or maybe even 2016 with Dave Harriton yep. and the Rams. Well, you guys went up there in the winter, which I think the, would be a totally different experience. It was also the last year of the Mackenzie River Ice mm. Road. The year-round road was just opened. And we actually tried to get permission to drive it. Yeah. 
um, but they wouldn't let us. They had to let it settle or something. There were some bridges and they were worried about our safety and stuff. But we, we got close to being able to pull that off, but we were able to drive up the ice roads. And so there was no tourists because it's winter. Yeah. It's freezing up there. You get to drive on an ice road, which is super fun and interesting and exciting. And I think that that would be the challenge of it. Yeah. You know, but I can see why it would be so different now. And I've never, I've never done that route. I've first time was in 2007. Second time was 2016, I think. Yeah. Both on the ice road. And then one of the things for people to think about if they're looking for more of an adventure is you do go, go in the winter, either way, go drive the year round road in the winter time. There's going to be no class A motorhomes. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be much more exciting and the weather is going to be more dramatic mm-hmm. and it's going to be feel like more of an adventure. But in the winter time, they still have part of that ice road open. So the Mackenzie River to the village of Aklavik yeah, remains yeah. is still an ice road. So you can still go have this, you know, it's 60, 70 miles of an ice road. And then they have a festival every year. Yeah. And they have a festival that they they plow the road. And when I say plow, it's like they kind of make it passable between Fort McPherson and Aklavik. So you could, if you timed it right, if you found out when the festival was happening, you could drive the frozen Peel River, which is, it's so remote. Like yeah. I would go by these little cabins with like the the fish freezing and hanging out in front. It felt yeah. very, very remote. So you could drive the Peel River from Aklavik down around back to Fort McPherson, um, which I think would feel like a, a total Yeah, adventure. that would feel really cool. But I could see why... Like to see a bunch of motorhomes would be kind of a bummer. It was maybe disheartening yeah. is the way that I would put it. And then, Pro- you know, the rest progress. of the trip, whether you're on, you know, the Alaska Highway or you're on Cassiar Highway. Yeah. And we you, ended had, up, you had to take that, didn't you? Because we of, had to take it back because the Alaska Highway was washed out. That's right. So that's interesting. So, you know, we actually really enjoyed BC. Yeah. I think the mistake that hindsight is twenty twenty, but. We, we had a really good time in BC. The Yukon, maybe not so much. Whitehorse. Whitehorse was another weird one where, you know, people, oh, it's such a cool town. Oh, it's so cute. It's so this. It was real dumpy and like bumper to bumper traffic. There's actually a lot of crime there, petty theft. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, you kind of come out of being in the middle of nowhere and then you end up in, in Whitehorse and you're, again, people like talk these things up so much. And I'm like, I just personally didn't make the connection. You know, again, maybe in the winter when there's less people, there's a Starbucks, there's a Starbucks in Whitehorse. So it's just, it's yeah, not, you it's know, not like, that, like the that, center yeah. of the overlanding universe in North America is the Canadian tire parking lot yeah. in Whitehorse. That's true. There's a Walmart next to it. There's a Starbucks in the lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> it was fascinating. The Cassiar highway was, was beautiful. Very pretty. It we, is very pretty. Laura and I kind of said we would probably just do the Cassiar and turn around if we yeah. were to ever do it again. Stuart and Hyder is really cool. You know, when you cross over the border into Hyder, um, you can go up to, I believe it's Salmon Glacier. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But that's, it, it was actually really busy too. Again, there was a lot of, um, you know, you're on this dirt road, but, you know, you're kind of weaving in between the Cruise Americas, you know, some locals that are up there. Did you end up doing any of the Canal Road? Closed. Yeah. So I think that was a bummer for us because the plan was to do Cassiar, go to, I believe, Watson Lake. That's right. Stay there for just a night and then fuel up, get everything we need, and then do South Canal Road. 
take that to Ross River yep. and then go up, but it was all closed. It was a really, really wet year. So that was another another bummer for us because I think all of the opportunities to get remote for us were shut down, whether that was due to flooding or whether that was due to fires. Like we wanted to go to Keno City yeah, because there's actually some backcountry camping and stuff back there. All of that was closed due to fire. We actually, I think it was... Yeah, we had to, like when we were coming back from Tuk Tuk Tuk, we went through, well, we stopped in Dawson City the first time. Here's an interesting thing is that hotels aren't that much more expensive than RV spots. And like in a place like Dawson City, there's very few places to camp. They've they've been through this before. Yeah. And they want to get that money from, you know, they want people staying in, in areas where they can clean up after them and, yeah, sure. and, their, and their services and that. So we ended up just staying at a hotel and then we ended up, you know, it was like 95 degrees in the room with no, they advertised AC and all this stuff. It was just so hot. We wanted to, when, when you spend that much time. That's so foreign. Like as you're describing it, I can't even wrap my head around it because so the, weird. the coldest temperature I've actually ever encountered. So colder than Greenland, colder than yeah. Antarctica was up on the Dempster. Yeah. Minus 57. That's, that's cold. So like, I cannot imagine positive 90 degrees that think of the swing. Yeah. It's huge. So everything, everything there is built for the cold. Right. And not the heat. Right. But But now they, now they're starting to deal with the heat and it's like interesting talking to locals and yeah, they're not prepared for it necessarily. But Dawson city, we're like, like everything was booked. Like we couldn't, you know, we don't like to book that far in advance, but it seemed like like when you're on this trip to Alaska or Canada or or whatever, like kind of the Alaska highway with some some offshoots, people plan this stuff years in advance, day by day in their motorhomes. Yeah, they you do. know they do as a traveler. And I'm sure there's a lot of pent up demand when we were there as well, because it kind of was the first year there's really I guess it was open last year. Yeah. You know, you couldn't find a place to camp and it was really stressful because there wasn't there just wasn't that many options for backcountry camping. Right. Um, but Dawson city was weird. You know, there's like the can can girls and all this kind of stuff, but it seems that their model has shifted towards cruise passengers. So they fly, you're in this really remote place. I mean, you're, you know, you're kind of, you've been on the road, you're a bit grungy and you're coming into this, you know, town in the middle of nowhere and the way it was hyped up to us. And in reality, it's a, it's just a, a package that you select on your cruise and they're flying people in, wow. you know, by the jet load, there was two seven thirty sevens parked there. We weren't able to even get like dinner yeah. anywhere in this town and talking to a lot of other travelers there, they were also kind of bummed, you know, cause like you drive all this way and you know, Dawson city gets talked up. I think the most interesting part of Dawson city were the people who are there that did not look like they should be there. <laughs> like you're in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's geographically very, very remote. And you're like, it's very remote. Yeah. Was the ferry open? The ferry was going? open. Yeah. The ferry was cool. You know, the ferry then takes you over top of the world chicken highway and all that to yeah. chicken. Chicken yeah. was, was cool. You know, for us, we were then able to have Dak outside of a restaurant um, instead of him sitting in the car with the car running because it was so hot yeah so that was a little you know it's like oh we're back in america yay the top of the world highway 
I, I've spent, I've spent the, the reason that I waited so many like months to do this is I was hoping that like the positive things it would, would soften, come through. it would soften, but it was like avoiding tour buses. You know, it was described to me as this, you know, everybody talks about it as, Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so remote. It's this, you know, whether that was due to Alaska highway being closed and some of the closures from the, the fires, there was like 190 fires burning in the Yukon when we were there. You know, it was like, okay, here's a tight turn. And then here's a, here's a tour bus coming. And then there's another tour bus coming and another rental RV and rental RV and class A and yeah, fifth wheel. Tough. Um, as much as it's dirt. Yeah. It was just, it I feel like, the, I feel like nobody talks about this. Right. So that's why I'm kind of, I, 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 I feel like people should know that it's maybe it's, it's probably more of an RV trip now than it is. It's like the greatest RV adventure, not like the the overland adventure anymore. Unless you go in the winter. Unless you go in the winter. Go in the winter. I think going in the winter would be cool. Like I I would love to do like yellow knife. Sporty in the winter. Yeah. Cause then it's more of a driving challenge where this just felt like. And there's nobody else really on the road other than people that have to be there. And there's no bugs in the winter. That's why I go in the winter. Yeah. It was, (laughs) it was unfortunately, I think it was our least favorite trip that we've ever done in eight or nine years together. Mm. You know, we kind of, we kind of sat now, now we're more motivated by what we said earlier, you know, history, food, culture, interacting with people. We like to camp remote, but we also like to have, you know, it's kind of something along the way. There Tim, is Tim Hortons good. is not culture. No. And Tim Hortons is. It's not even good coffee. It's, it's not good. Yeah. The Wi-Fi though. Phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal Wi-Fi. There we go. A plus Wi-Fi. B minus donuts. There are some really nice people. Of course. They're um, totally there. And it's, be- it is beautiful. I think what would totally put a damper on it is being so hot in Canada. You're not expecting that. No. Like when you go drive El Camino del Diablo, it's like you expect. It was hotter in Tuktiak Tuk when we were there was the hottest place in Canada. Like you, like when, when I was in Eagle Plains, Eagle Plains is this, it's a like ambulance station uh, truck stop, yep. mechanic shop, Air, uh, they have a runway, runway, hotel, bar, it's restaurant, where you fuel, where you fuel up along fuel. The way. Yep. It's, it's everything. And, and it was actually a cool spot because it was the only place I found on the trip where I was kind of able to interact with travelers. You know, you walk around the parking yep. lot and you see all the overland vehicles from all over. It was, you know, talking to some of the guys that live up there, you know, cause it's just so long that the long haul truckers stay there. Yeah, sure. Right. So this is like their second, this is their living room, yeah. so to speak. They allowed, they didn't I mean, they didn't care. They allowed dogs in the bar. Like they, it was, it was great. It yeah. was, it was a cool little gem. I liked, I liked Eagle Plains a lot. But they said, when I was a kid, my dad said the shrubs used to be, you know, the size of a bowling ball yeah. and now they're trees. Yeah. You know, things are changing. Yeah. And that that's what became really apparent to us on this trip. Like our greatest takeaway was that we really have to respect the planet. Yeah. You know, we've made some changes, you know, converting our house to all solar and the idea of going maybe to some electric cars because we have we live in Arizona. We have an oil well on our roof. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't I, I can be energy independent in this age. You know, and it's like the the industry that supports this place, these places, these far north Arctic communities generally is oil and gas. I mean, that's yeah. that's why Tuktiuktuk exists uh, to a lesser extent than 
dead horse. I mean, dead horse is the, the, yeah. the center of it. Yeah. Yeah. Dead, dead horse is a company town. Yeah. So. It's what's keeping them alive. That's also gonna really affect, affect what they're doing. Well, and there's just been so much change in that amount of time. Not only has overlanding exploded, but just with the summer road and everything. Cause when I, when I was in Eagle Plains, the first time there was this storm coming in and like we got gas really quick and we realized that the road wasn't closed. So we went ahead and we like went for it. Yeah. We're just solo vehicle Tacoma driving up there and it got really bad. Like the snow drifts were big. We were in like four low driving over these massive snow drifts. I mean, we'd go from See, like, that would be awesome. We went from like little marker to little marker. That was as far as we could see. And if you got more than 20 feet from the car, like you could lose side of the car. That's so crazy. it was extremely difficult. And we finally, we finally get through to the other end, to the other gate and the other gate is closed. And I was like, Oh, this isn't good. And then a local guy, he pulls up and he was, he was uh, first nations from that area. And he go, he walks up. He's like, he's like, I'm really glad, really glad to see you guys. And I said, why? He says, well, we forgot to close the gate on the other end and you got through. So like it was up, the road was supposed to be closed. See, I would have, I would have loved to have, you know, that was a great experience. Some challenges to the trip. It was definitely a challenge. It was definitely a challenge. Um, And then he says, he's like, oh, by the way. And and he just had this really sweet way about him. He's like, by the way, up over the, if you go to the top of this hill, he's like, that's why I wasn't here is that there's wolves on a caribou kill. And I'm like, are you serious? So I go, I go running up to the top of the hill. And when I, when I run up to the top of the hill and I get to the top, I'm thinking this was this, this is exactly how tourists die. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just ran towards the wall. Oh, you're cold little bison. Let's <laughs> yeah. go into my rental car. <laughs> yeah. So I just ran up to the top of the hill and sure enough, now I'm 300 meters, but to be that close to the wolves, that's, I think that's one of the challenges is that. Maybe that's where the hype comes from because I had, I had such an experience. We see, we didn't see any wildlife. Like yeah. we see more wildlife in our backyard in a week in, yeah. in our fenced backyard in Prescott than, yeah. than we did on the entire trip, which is, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, we, crazy. we saw on top of the world, we saw like maybe four caribou, um, no bear. We saw like two black bear. No brown on the bear, side no. of the road. No, no brown bear. Yeah. We, like saw, we went to we all the spots. Grizzlies. We were a little bit before the salmon run yeah. um, in Hyder to, to see him there. But I have a picture of this grizzly bear and I was standing in the doorway of the Ram taking this photo and he was not that far away. Like yeah. another dumb, this is like how tourists get eaten thing that I was doing. <laughs> so I'm taking, I take this photo and I go back and when you look, look back at your photos, I realize that this bear, his, he was, his head was pointing straight away. Like he was walking past me. Yeah. But I zoomed in on his eye. His eye was looking directly at me. <laughs> so he was faking me out. Yeah. Some of those bears are real super big. smart. And like, he was huge. Yeah. He was huge. Yeah. I, it was I, so I, cool. I was really hoping to, to, to have some more, you know, wildlife experiences. We, we did on the, on, on the Dempster. We saw those moose. Actually, I think it was called Moose Lake. It was in the uh, kind of their provincial park at the, the southern end there. I don't know. Did like, you go to Denali on your way over to Anchorage? Did you make this? So it was all, it was all covered in and there was a lot of wildfires burning. So we Got were it. basically told there's zero chance of seeing Denali. Sure. And, uh, you know, we went to Anchorage afterwards to, 
you know, kind of try and get some. So you went from Fairbanks down to Anchorage or yeah. did you go? Uh, we didn't go to Fairbanks. No, okay, we so were, we were like after, honestly, after the dumpster, as we were calling it, we were pretty done. You know, it was. So you did the Taylor highway around and then you just shot straight down the one to Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. We went, uh, top of the world. Yeah. To Taylor highway to talk, stayed in, stayed in talk for a night. Yeah. Um, there's actually a really cool, cool campground that had a, like, I found the only way that I could get kind of the interaction that I wanted. Cause at RV parks, people generally, well, people were like really curious about the earth realm where we definitely met some, some nice folks, but I was trying to stay at these RV parks that had little restaurants or little sure. bars or something. Cause it was, it was just a, a, a point to actually talk to people. Yeah, like sure. Otherwise it Interact. was like, like me and Laura needed to have some space. The earth realmer, I'm not complaining about the size or anything. It was, it was, it was a champ. Yeah. But it's still nice to be outside of the box where you've yeah. been, you know, for a while. Yeah. Anchorage, we had planned to go there, kind of stock up, interact with people. We were There's going some great museums. Crazy. There's some great museums in Anchorage. One, we couldn't get anything done. The Ford dealer there can't work on anything more than eight feet tall because it's in like some 1970s oil building that, yeah. you know, was never meant to be there. The whole town seems like it really wasn't meant to be there more than a, a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, just none doing... of the tire, none of the tire places would help us with the rotation. So we didn't have to do everything ourselves. You know, then we went down to the uh, Kenai Peninsula, which was really pretty. It is super pretty. Um, but... And that's actually on the Kenai Peninsula is the furthest point west that you can get in North America. Oh, on, yeah. On a, by, on a uh... road. On a road. Yeah. So you can... It's on the Sterling Highway and it's near near Homer. It's somewhere down there. So we made it to Whittier. Yeah. Um, and we were gonna go further down. And we just we literally couldn't find a place to camp. So every place was booked out. And you call like, oh, do you have any last minute stuff? No, we've been booked out for months. And there's no place to really wild camp. And at that time, like, listen, there's places that you can wild camp, but we're not really interested in sleeping next to a highway. Yeah, sure. You know, we're not interested in, you know, stealth camping and, you know, a parking lot, hoping that we don't get the the knock on the door at, you know, three in the morning or, sure. or something. So we bailed like after Whittier, which was pretty, but there's like a salt store there. And like, there wasn't even a restaurant. There wasn't any, like, I don't know why you would go there. It was, yeah, I, you know, like it keeps going through a head. Like a lot of these towns must've just gotten totally wrecked. You know, they didn't have cruises. They still don't have a lot of cruises. They didn't have the RVers for, you know, they couldn't get through Canada. Right. I, and I wonder, I wonder if it was just a mistake to go up there that soon. I've heard that about Hawaii right now too. Yeah. There's a lot of issues because the, all the source of income for those, uh, many of those families is, was devastated. And it was interesting, like um, Chase, who was just camping, he just came, came down, you know, he lives up there been around the overland space for a while and i'm kind of you know we, we met up and had a beer in anchorage and and i'm i kind of almost felt bad like he got the he got the brunt of it like <laughs> what the what in the heckity heck is going on and he's like oh no that's just how it is you know we have like hit, hit i think it was his theory or my theory or somebody is like these people invest so much time and money into this trip that they're just like afraid to say anything bad about it yeah but every person that was on the trip that we talked to had a very similar opinion to us of a lot of the places. Well, and I can tell you for me 
sitting here, like I, since I've always done it in the winter, that the extreme North Arctic stuff has yeah. always been in the winter or the very early spring for me. I get to see the Aurora Borealis. Yeah. I don't have any bugs. There's no tourists on the road. Yeah. The road conditions are you much more. You can stop and camp anywhere because there's so many places to camp. That's but right. If there's not snow on the ground, there's people on those camps. That's right. And they were, there's plenty of places to camp. Yeah. So my experience was very different. Now, I have done a lot of traveling in southern Alaska in the summertime. So when I finished the, the sailing trip across the Pacific last year, uh, my buddy Mike that I was in the Air Force with, I met up with him in Anchorage, flew in, and we drove down to that most, rem- most westerly point um, that you can drive in in North America together. And we did that little trip, but you know, for the most part, the bugs weren't too bad. Plenty of wind. It was not, not too bad, but we were in an RV. Like we drove there in yeah. an RV. It was, that's what you wanted to be in was an RV. The, the thing that I will remember most about Anchorage is like kind of doing some maintenance. We stayed in like Midtown Anchorage, just had an extended stay, you know, for like a night or two, just to, you know, we had to clean the refrigerator and there's, there's maintenance yeah, and sure. stuff that you eventually have to get done when you've been you know, pretty remote, change the oil, that, yeah. that kind of stuff. I hear these people screaming and like this, these like blood curdling screams. Three people were murdered like 500 feet from where I was in the woods. Found out about that on the news the next day. Wow. Yeah, that was, so that was my like summer experience. Wow. That was your summer. That was Matt's summer. You yeah. guys now what know what Matt's summer vacation I, I now was. know, I now know what, um, you know, three unhoused people on meth killing each other with knives sounds like. Yeah. That was probably my Anchorage experience that I will yeah. remember until I die. Well, and for, that's negative. And for, well, you know, but it's also what you experience yeah. too, right? And well, it's I mean, important, I think, and it's important for us. Thing. It's important for us to always share our version of what our experiences are. And, and me traveling around Anchorage with someone who lives there is probably going to be a different probably experience. Different. Yeah. Because he knows where to take me. Yeah. Or not to take me. Well, that's where it was nice to have Chase too, is like, yeah. you know, some of the, like we went to this really cool brewery south of town and, you know, there's definitely some history there. Like right. there's the motorcycle shop and they've got like some of the fairings from long way round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool, I, I feel like I'll go back to Alaska, but you, to see Alaska, like there's only like three roads, like three main highways. True. Right. If there's a paved road, there's people on it you have to have like a bush plane or a boat or yep. something. Cause I, I would have to imagine the moment you get, you know, five minutes from where you can drive, it would have to be amazing. Like, but we just, we couldn't hike with the dog and the bugs and, you know, but it was interesting, you know, it, it felt like, uh, you know, I got the, I got the boy Scott patch of driving to the Arctic ocean. <laughs> and and that is something like if, if people want to experience driving to the Arctic ocean, that's how you have to do it. You got to go up to tuck. Yeah. Um, if you want to get to the northernmost point, you can drive on a road. You got to get up to dead horse. When I was up in dead horse for expedition seven, we actually got permission to drive the vehicle out to the Arctic ocean. Oh, which that was, was really, which cool. was yeah. a, rare, a rare experience. But again, this was really early spring. So there was snow all over the roads. The Brooks Range was stunning, beautiful, covered in snow, yeah. musk ox, and and it was it. W- my experience was totally different. I imagine going up the Dalton in the summertime with all the truck traffic and stuffing. It's probably not very fun. So so here's here's the mistake that I made for the entire trip is that I didn't listen to Ray Highland. <laughs> yeah, he lives there. Yeah, yeah. You know, very accomplished explorer has been all over there. I mean, there's literally. 
a little, there's a Highland and a little Highland river That's right. named after like his grandpa and his dad yeah. who helped build the Alaska highway yep. and were, you know, early explorers in that area and that kind of stuff. And he's like, you should go in the fall, like go in the fall. There's no bugs. The campgrounds and everything is open. You can travel kind of as you want. That is where I messed up. I, I likely would have had a drastically different experience had I have gone in the fall versus the summer. That is like, I, you know, it's still one of those trips that would I do it again? I'll probably end up doing it again, but I would love to do it either in the winter or maybe the fall. Or, it's, or but that sounds, the fall sounds great too. Cause you could also experience the Aurora mm-hmm. and the Aurora Borealis. If you get the chance to see that it's worth going to Alaska yeah. just to see that. I, I, in fact, I did a trip years ago where I just, I flew to Fairbanks Oh yeah. Yeah. Just got to go see the Aurora. I just like stayed out in a, like a Arctic chalet. (laughs) I I had no idea that a large part of the business of the like Aurora Borealis is targeted towards uh, Japanese tourists that are trying to, it's considered very good luck to conceive a child. (laughs) You told me that. And and I didn't just hear this once. (laughs) I heard this multiple times in multiple places where like, apparently the guy at like China hot springs has like a sleigh and they take them out. The cultural peculiarities of the world. It's what makes the world interesting. Yeah. This content is brought to you by Overland journal, our premium quality print publication. The magazine was founded in 2006 with the goal of providing independent equipment and vehicle reviews, along with the most stunning adventures and photography. We care deeply about the countries and cultures we visit and share our experiences freely with our readers. We also have zero advertorial policy and do not accept any advertiser compensation for our reviews. By subscribing to Overland Journal, you're helping to support our employee-owned and veteran-owned publication. Your support also provides resources and funding for content like you are watching or listening to right now. You can subscribe directly on our website at overlandjournal.com. But it was, you know, to, to go on like maybe a little bit more positive thing, the Earth Roamer was so much fun. Yeah. So comfortable. You know, so yeah. comfortable. You know, the, the, the worst parts of that truck are the things that Ford touched, yeah. you know, like the, the, the doors that literally move in and out and rattle and, um, but that's not earth roamer, you know, the earth roamer side of things was so comfortable, like as a system, boy, they just have it figured out. You know, we were able to, what, you know, when we did find the odd place to kind of remote camp and it was 90 degrees with sun or it wasn't always 90 degrees at midnight, but it was, you know, hot enough to where. Well, you couldn't really have the windows open because then the bugs would find their way in. Yeah. So you almost like had to run the, we, we were lucky enough to run the AC. Like, listen, there's people that do this trip on way outnumber us on motorcycles and ground tents. And those are the hardiest yeah. mother flipping people in the world. Like the, the, the bicycle touring folks. I know it's crazy. I don't know how they have any blood left. Yeah. Like we're going to, we're going to insert for the YouTube video. Uh, like just a, a video of the flies alone on the Peel River crossing or Mackenzie River crossing. One of them, those guys have goes those guys and gals that are doing the bicycle touring. There's some cojones there. <laughs> yeah, you would be. I, it, would be a, it would be a constant assault. How do you carry rosé? <laughs> 
I mean, they don't have a wine cellar. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, the, the, it was a, it was a joy and a, and a, and a dream of mine. You know, I always said, if I'm going to drive to the Arctic ocean, God, how cool when I was a kid, how cool would it be to do it in an earth rummer? And I was able to do that on my own, which was, you know, that was cool. So like when I separate the, the traveler mat from the like car enthusiast bucket list, did this cool drive in this cool car. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, well, and it's an escape. That's, I think doing, if you're going to dare do it in the summertime, you got to have something you can escape into, like give it a, call it a scout camper, call it an earth roamer, call it an earth cruiser, something that you can somehow like close the door, kill the remaining bugs that got in with you and then have some, some little spot to retreat to. It's nice. Uh, You know, like I said, there's, as I'm sitting here being the guy that's complaining about the trip in a luxury expedition camper thing, you know, with anything and everything that he needed and no real budget, you know, there's, there's people that are having a blast on bicycles and on motorcycles. And, you know, I could see the Dempster being a challenge on a, on an adventure bike just for the sheer amount of gravel. And sometimes it gets, it's deep gravel and, you know, comes up kind of nowhere and, corrugations and that kind and of big stuff. trucks come in the other direction. Big trucks, dust. Um, I could see it being a real challenge on a bike. Like it, it almost appeals to me more to do it on a motorcycle again in the summer. Um, cause it, you obviously couldn't do that in the, but the fall would be perfect. The fall would be great before um, it starts to snow. Yeah. You know, I think there was just a lot of circumstantial stuff that went wrong on our trip. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good to be aware of that. But again, I just, I said on this trip, like me and Laura were talking like, Everybody that talks about it just sings praises. I'd like to maybe be a little bit more Dose realistic rea- and, and, and try to try to have enough time pass where I wasn't. I know that the, the podcast comes off negative and I'm not trying to say don't go. Like if you want to go, it is so, so accessible. But maybe just since that all season road has opened, I, I do think things have changed. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe be really considered around the timing that you go, yeah. go in the spring or go in the fall. You're not going to have the summer tourists. You're not going to have the mm-hmm. class A motorhomes as much. And I think you're going to have a much better experience or fly into Whitehorse. I think it's the company's Canna dream and you can get an F three fifty with a enclosed camper. Go do the drive. Like it's actually so accessible now Yeah, from Prescott to the top was was about 10,000 miles round trip which is that's a lot of seat time it is you know yeah, i've done that drive more times than i would care you've to. done it a lot yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah that's the challenge is it's just an it's an enormous amount of very long days yeah. and that's that's a challenge for sure so i i don't mind fl- i mean it's nice to fly in now i guess it would be good to talk a little bit about the Dalton highway because it's all kind of part of this experience, but yeah. the Dalton highway is, is also super long. It's about yeah. 500 miles ish. And you've done so that in the summer and the winter. I have. Yeah. Well, I've done it in the spring twice once with the, so I took the expedition seven vehicles yeah. up there and then back and we drove back through Fairbanks and did, the whole Casier and everything all mm-hmm. the way back south. And the other time was... The Casier is awesome. I mean, it's like... It's very pretty. Like, that is one of the most pretty drives that you can do. Like It's very pretty. Like, do it. 
Yeah, but it's also much further south, like you much said. Much further south, like really attainable, worth it on its own. Yeah, neat little restaurants and places to stop. And the other time that I did it was when they launched the new Tacoma TRD Pro, where oh, it had, yeah, that it had the snorkel and Sinway invited me to come along. And we did a, we actually did kind of like a video production for Toyota up there. But that was also really, it was either early spring or late fall. Yeah. So it was wintertime. There's snow everywhere and, and snow drifts and all the cool See, stuff. That would be super cool. It makes like, it I really think, interesting. I think the challenge is really the winter. Yep. And what's the town halfway that's kind of like Coldfoot? Coldfoot, yeah. What what's that like? Is that similar to like the Eagle Plains where there's like a little restaurant? It's not, it's not as charming. It's not quite as charming oh. as Eagle Plains. Um, there Shucks. are a bunch of bunch. I, but I liked it though. I mean, it, there's like a bunch of Connex box style accommodations, like those yeah. prefabbed accommodations that a lot of the oil industry uses. So you stay in these little boxes. And then they do have a rest, like a restaurant where they serve hearty, yeah, hearty food, kind of cafeteria style. Yeah. But yeah. it's all they, you know, they don't they don't screw around with the food because the food's got to be right. Yeah. Um. So like, I would not say that the food is bad. It's like hearty, yeah, trucker yeah, yeah. food. By the time you get there, you're ready for hearty trucker food. Yeah. You really are. You like want a, a hoagie or you want a pizza <laughs> or you want a cheeseburger or something like that. Yeah. So, and you have to stop there for fuel, for fuel because it's that far. And then the next time that you get access to fuel again is you're in the company town, but up in Dead Horse. So you're like up in the company town. So that you have to like, there's only one gas station that's open to the public. You got to find that. And then the accommodations you have to book in advance because a lot of times they're full with company Super town booked, people. Yeah. Company town people. And they're extremely expensive. I think they have some requirement. To have accommodations for the public. I think that's probably part of their agreement. Most of it would just be on contracts. That's right. So they have very limited number of rooms. I remember them being well over $300 a night. And it does include food. So you can go to the cafeteria and you can have, you know, soft serve ice cream and whatever, cool. whatever else. I think it is very cool. Yeah. It's a trip to see it. Like it's, and it's a dry town. There's no alcohol very restrictive mm. things around putting a bunch of people into a confined space. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I should clarify, like on the, on the Dempster, there are places to camp. The Dempster for us in particular, it was just so hot that we wanted to find an RV spot because we yeah. can plug in. Is there ample camping? Kind of. So the challenge that you have with the Dalton is the proximity of the pipeline. So I remember we were taking the E7 trucks up there. Ray Highland was there, Mike McMod. We were getting the trucks up to meet the rest of the team. And we pulled off down this little road, which we were fairly close to the pipeline. Yeah. And we're, we start camping out and it was not 45 minutes. And there was like two police vehicles coming down and they start walking. I mean, they, they didn't harass us or anything. They're just like, dude, you can't, can't camp here. Interesting. So it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, and I wonder how much of it is just the permafrost. Like you can't, you can't, you can't go off the road no, because your truck will sink. We found places to camp. Yeah. So in the wintertime, you don't have, you're not competing for campsites. Yeah. So we found places to camp. That was not a problem. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the advantages of doing it in the early spring. We found like the little, like the gravel pits that they, yep. would, they would pull the aggregate to make yep. the roads. Like totally. we would just kind of pull in there and nobody totally ever works. bothered us. Totally works. Um, you know, it's not scenic. 
Yeah. But it totally works. Yeah. I, you know, what's weird is I, I like almost got anxiety from the amount of trees. It's like you're driving through trees for so long. You've lived in Arizona for I've a while. I've lived in Arizona for you're so long. Like big views, big views and big vistas and, yep. and that kind of stuff. That was, that was interesting. Um, no, you're like in the, the yeah. black spruce for yeah, yeah. days and days and days on end. It's cool, but you know, just naturally really, really beautiful. Yeah. Boy, like I just, I know that if I was leaving now, you know, cause we're in, well, I guess maybe not now, but yeah. you know, if I was up there now, I feel like you'd been able to do the hikes and you would have been able to, to get out and you would have been, been able to do experience. things. Like I just remember the few hikes we did is it was like, we would kind of run in proximity with each other and like swat each <laughs> other. And then I'd be like swatting Dak's butt for the, you can't wear DEET if you have pets, public service announcement. God, it is very bad for them. It can cause seizures like really quickly. Oh, that's interesting to so, know. Yeah. Well, so this is our public service to the audience. It's, yeah. If you go to Alaska and Canada, you may want to do it in the shoulder seasons. I think that, I think that that was my big takeaway. Um, you know, there was a lot of circumstantial stuff with our particular trip that you can't plan for a heat wave. You can't plan for a bad bug season, but what you can do is go in a different season. And that's why you and I don't do the influencer thing. We're not trying to tell everybody that, Every day is a perfect day yeah. when you travel. Yep. There are days that it's really tough and yeah. you want to give up or you want to turn around or you're not having any fun. Or maybe that, I mean, I think of all the mistakes that I've made on those trips up there, including camping in minus 57 degrees. I put myself and the people that I was with at a lot of risk yeah. because we were trying to camp in roof tents. And that was just a really dumb idea that I shouldn't have done. There were things that you learned that like, wow, I should have listened to Ray Highland or I should have done these things different. And because you and I aren't, we're not trying to paint like the perfectly rosy picture. Yeah. Of yeah. We're not like being paid to go up there by a tourism board. No, this is like what we do. And yeah. we, we, what we do is share our experiences. Yeah. So those that are listening realize that it's good to do the research and it's good to know the best time to travel to these areas. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want it to be more adventurous, consider going in the spring. If you want it to be less people, more hiking, turning of the leaves, open campsites maybe go in the fall yeah and honestly i'm looking forward to going back to alaska the the natural beauty of that state was stunning stunning the nicest people yep. that you'll ever meet we just kind of we were so you just get to a point where when you know we've been doing this for a while like this this wasn't like our one and only trip yep you know so are we jaded yeah i mean laura are like like they wrote the aerosmith song jaded about me <laughs> i want to go back to alaska on a boat yeah. But, well, I mean, I have to figure out that whole motion sickness thing. <laughs> it was I want to go back good. in a bush plane, like a, like a stole plane. Yeah. And like some of those lodges and stuff in, in the back country to, to fish. And I'm, I'm not a hunter, but you know, I'd love to, the, the opportunities for photography and stuff. You know, I'm not saying Alaska is a dump. I'm saying Anchorage is a dump. <laughs> go fly up there, maybe give a, but if you're just going up to Alaska, Boy, that's a long drive <laughs> and they make planes now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, or, or like when I rolled into Alaska last summer in a sailboat yeah. into the Aleutian Islands, that was just a different. Oh, that'd be so cool. It was amazing. Be so it cool. was amazing. So it was um, a different experience. Spend time in BC. Don't blow through BC yeah. to get to the stuff further north. Because the further north you go, the harder it is to survive. Yeah. And that means that if you're somebody like me, that's motivated by the you know, the, the interactions and experiences and maybe 
a nice meal. A nice meal for me can be like the the kitschy cheeseburger or something. Yep. Get that in down south. I've had some gigantic cinnamon rolls in Alaska and Canada. <gasps> they were just like, why are they so huge? I didn't it's have like any here, of that. It's like here, take 3,000 calories of sugar and dough. Yeah. And no, a little bit and a dash of cinnamon. So I had Laura cooking. So yeah. And she's. Yeah, yeah you, you know, it's I, great. Exactly. Instant pot for the win. And on that. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. This is a really important topic. It's a place that people ask to go to a lot. Alaska is very high on people's list. Maybe take some of our advice with a grain of salt, but talk to others that have traveled. Ask them for the real story, not the Instagram yeah, filtered get, story. You know, so not the hashtag story. Get them in a comfortable place, whether that's <laughs> a, a relaxing cup. environment in a nice chair with a cup of tea <laughs> or a couple beers and... And, and I'm confident that similar things will come out unless they listen to Ray Highland and went in the fall. <laughs> exactly. So, well, we thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next time.